1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And, of course, previous Sunday's 12 noon game with Fulham, of course, moves with the uh, changes and everything else going on with TV. So 12 o'clock on Sunday. The Blues are at Fulham, uh, so we will obviously look ahead to that game and talk about Fulham's form and former players we will face. with, of course, plenty of other newslines to get Ati stuck into. So um, Carlo Ancelotti having his pre-match press conference at Finch Farm tonight And, um, Gav, I'll start with you. The issue of five substitutes is rumbling on. Carlo, yeah. um, according to his press conference answer, appears to be softening to the idea a little bit. He seems to be pretty adamant pre- prior to the international break that three subs was enough, but he seems to have, uh, have warmed a little bit more to the idea of the reintroduction of five subs. What do you think?
2: Uh, not surprised, really. I think I'm pretty much in the same uh, same boat uh, now. Um, I was firmly in the the camp of this This is another use to give big clubs a bit more clout and, be able to exercise their spending power and big squads at the expense of smaller clubs. But I think as it's gone on, it's, it's a little bit more than that, isn't it, really? And, you know, your primary focus, really, as a supporter and, and, and a manager, is to protect your own squad. <laughs> and uh, at the moment, I think, not just for... <laughs> it, 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 it's it's a number of things, isn't it? It's Players being affected and also... You know, down and everybody else are talking about. You know, this the sessions and saying some players, which will get worse over the next Christmas period in December. When we still got FA Cup and FA Cup, and then obviously League Cup before Christmas. So it's busy. We're going from one busy part of the year to another busy part of the year,
1: and then come out uh, so, of a yeah. busy part of the year. And then there's an international break again in March, and so yeah, yeah, goes on, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, so I I, I think as uh, the C five. To be honest with you, um, on the basis that I want to see Everton playing the best he can, and of the assessors and players not being more than what he, uh, you know, uh, can be. So yeah, I'm I'm in the, the five sub camp now. Uh, to be honest with
1: you, uh, but actually, is Gav's gut instinct and initial reaction to the the uh, the push for five subs not actually still very much relevant? This does feel like a move. If it comes to fruition, that would benefit the top four or the established top six. You have got bigger squads, more strength in depth. Mm. Um, you know, is this not you know as much as it is about player welfare? Is it not also going to benefit those clubs more than than Everton and and, and others?
0: Yeah, I think it certainly will. I think it, perhaps if we are to bring in this rule this year, then maybe a few years down the line we'll see how much of an impact that it's going to have on the bigger clubs. You know, do have these bigger squads, you know, much more money to be able to spend on better quality players to have on the bench. And I think over the next few years, we'd probably see uh, the effects of that a little bit more. But I think Gav writing saying that, you know, player welfare does have to come uh, precedent at, at this point because I think he makes a really good points that we're in a busy part of the season now, but we're about to go into the busiest part of the English football season, definitely that December-January period where we've got, you know, Everton are going to still be in the League Cup. Fingers crossed we'll still be in the League Cup into January as well. And you've got the FA Cup getting added into that as well. You've got games on Boxing Day, New Year's Day. It's just It's just an absolutely hectic schedule at the best of times. And when we've got this massively truncated season, which needs to get finished at a certain time because we've got an international tournament in the summer, to get underway before we start again, it's just a constant, a constant cycle in the midst of a global pandemic, and it's it, it just doesn't make sense to me to only have three substitutions in a minute. And looking at it in a, in a particularly selfish sense, for Everton, I think Everton are actually in an all right position in this sense. I think we've got a deep enough squad that five substitutes would actually benefit us a little bit in terms of you know just being able to give players a bit of a rest on certain occasions so fingers crossed we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to take advantage of that in the future but as i say i think perhaps in the next few years we'll see we'll actually see the effects of you know the bigger clubs taking advantage of it but i think this year it's just it's just completely necessary for uh, for player welfare Do you do you agree with adam in in saying that he feels
1: fairly comfortable that that we would have a squad big enough uh And good enough to 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 get some use out of the five subs. I would have my reservations.
2: Um, I don't view it like that. I view it as support getting the best out. I've given you an opportunity to get your best eleven on the pitch every week of the season. Now, if if that means that means giving the opportunity to get them off the pitch after sixty minutes or seventy minutes. Um. Because but, okay. to oh, but, but, oh. I, I'm all thinking of this, of protecting your best 11 players rather than giving yourself the added quality or whatever of having oh. a deep, deep squad. Well, okay. That's okay. where I come from on this. Well, OK, then
1: in terms of protecting our best 11 players, and let's talk about protecting some of the most influential players, What if, if Carlos senses James and Richarlison are flagging late December, early January or, or whenever, I suppose my question is, is the squad good enough to maintain... Form results,
2: yeah, yeah, get, I get to, that to give them a rest. So, so it's our players, fifteen and sixteen, yes. any good? It's effectively what we're saying here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I all depends what parts of the pitch we're talking about. in some, some parts we've got a bit more depth than others, haven't we? You know, and stuff. Centre half it probably wouldn't be a problem, but because yeah. of the way you know and stuff, right wing maybe. Uh, the problem—I would very much doubt about what we've seen so far. 12, 13, and fourteen. We can probably improve a little bit, can't we? To be fair, um, maybe not. Maybe not. But I don't—I just don't view it like that. Um, I mean, so, so, maybe play Fulham tomorrow, and you know, Fulham could argue that Fulham playing Everton, but the five subs, subs rule is a bit like Everton playing. like I say Liverpool, the five subs rule, isn't it really? Yeah, um, You know, so rather than I mean, and this is where some clubs will think about it, won't they? It's it's not, don't look at the teams above you look at the teams below you mm, yeah. you know um, and I think uh, I think although we, we we maybe haven't in terms of where we have that depth in terms of where we want to be, in terms of compared to the clubs below us or maybe even some of our peer groups, we may be better off um, mm. But it's it, it depends on what I say. There, there's other factors there. Physi- you know, how many players without injured who are not available on the day, and what position yeah. you're talking about. So there's, there's so many different variables there, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hard to judge. But in, in theory, you should have. not money was. Sorry, the amount of money with, sorry, know, only respect we've, uh, we spent, we've would expect to. I mean, the
0: the, sorry, yeah, yeah, the yeah. way I've been thinking about it is: how often has Anthony Gordon been? One of the yes. one of the fifteenth or sixteenth men who you know has been on the bench but hasn't managed to get onto the pitch, and if the five sub rule is going to be able to get him a bit more time on the pitch, Now obviously Carlo's been uh, trusting other players, you know, in the likes of Iwobi and Bernard, you know, people who are like more experienced, but obviously we've been we've seen a clamour for Anthony Gordon because he's obviously a very talented player, and I don't think he's the only one in the squad who could be considered in, in the in that situation, so. If the five-sub rule is going to give the likes of him a chance to you know, impress alongside Carlo being able to bring on the more experienced players that he usually would in the likes of Iwobi or Sigurdsson or whoever he wants to bring on, then I think that's only going to benefit us. And I yeah, suppose as yeah. well, he doesn't have to use the, all five subs every single game, does he? No, well, um, in, the, in, um, in the nine games of
1: the uh, Premier League's restart, I think it was six of the nine matches when he used all five subs. Um but I think some of those games were because he was somewhat uh, cheesed off, shall we say? <laughs> 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 but, but, but no, Adam does raise an interesting point and a really valid point about five subs. and How it could be beneficial for us? You know, you talk about Anthony Gordon. Tom Davis hasn't been getting any game time. Doesn't sometimes yeah. doesn't make a squad. So when he is, when there is an injury, and, and you know there could be injuries to Allen and there could be an injury to Decoray one week, and he's asked to suddenly play. He's not hasn't got that sharpness, but five subs will increase his opportunities. And what about uh, Jean Philippe Gabin? He could, you know, he could be the fifth sub ten weeks in a yeah. ten weeks in a row between now and the end of the season. And you know, otherwise, he wouldn't would not necessarily have, have got any game time. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You can you know, instead an opportunity to bring him on for 10, 15 minutes as the fifth sub, rather than half an hour as third sub, isn't it really? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating discussion, this with all sorts of pluses and minuses, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think I think we said this. Like, I think we might have said this. you some of that. Somebody of Carlos' intelligence and management experience would take advantage of this, wouldn't it? It gives you all sorts of opportunities, not necessarily just replace some players who are tired and you want to protect um it's also good for psychological players knowing that there's opportunities they might get on Might then the in a five sub mm. rule as well so yeah um and we'll give opportunities and i it's there to do that i'm not sure to be fair no it's, um, it's not is it but yeah is it you know but if you if, you, if it's there but I'm, I'm going back just to clarify my out on this by the way i don't think this is a long-term thing i think this is just to mm. get us through to the end of the season really Okay. Um, Gavin,
1: in terms of you know yeah. providing opportunities, would would a decision to reintroduce five subs we've seen now in the start of January strengthen the manager's hand when it goes into discussions with the board of directors and, and, and Fahd Mashiri about reinforcements?
2: Well, I'd like I'd like to think that what we've seen already about our backup players that he's already got a strong hand there. To be honest with you, Phil. Mm. To be fair, yeah. I think we just said it's not as if we have got five, six really strong subs. We do with another couple. You yeah. probably got maybe one or two. And then mm. the rest, we, we, we've seen as it, if there's a big sort of drop-off, isn't it? Uh, with all yeah. due respect. But it's a testament, I think, for some of the players we've got on the first team, by the way. Um, so, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to think Carlos has got a strong hand anyway Yeah. Uh, on this. So, I'm not sure whether it affect that affect that decision. Mm.
1: Well, neatly moving on to uh, the the winter market, as we call it, Adam. Um Having only heard once from Carlo with regards to the rumoured interest in his former player Isco, uh, he's obviously commented twice this week, once to a Colombian television station where he used a, an expletive to describe <laughs> to describe the rumours. Um, and then obviously today, he not quite as strongly, um, noticeably so, uh, again was trying to sort of play down the suggestion that he is interested in
0: trying to sign Isco Um what have you made of of his comments what can you read into them they're really interesting aren't they because if we hadn't have had the situation with James Rodriguez in the summer and we were in this sort of scenario I'd be saying to myself oh well that's that's fine then I don't know why he keeps getting asked about it he's he's very clearly said that are not interested let's just move on hmm. but especially his com- comments today in the press conference I can't help but look at them and see the similarities with what he was saying towards I think it was maybe even June July time that early on about a a potential move for james rodriguez and then you know that's that obviously transpired later on and i'm not saying that you know isco will definitely transpire later on but it's just interesting to know those sorts of similarities and it was it it did just seem strange to me especially with the earlier comments with the explicit written comments shall we say Mm. uh, to that colombian tv station it did surprise me how strongly he reacted to that because he, he certainly didn't react very strongly at all. When uh, when you asked him about it after the Newcastle game earlier this month, he seemed, seemed very coy on the matter then. You know, didn't seem to be uh, coming down either side, but he was he very clearly trying to stamp things out earlier this week. So it's just, yeah, they, they, they're really interesting to me and I, I just can't help but notice those similarities with the James, with the James saga almost to, mm-hmm. to Triga. Gav, you know the most experienced
1: member of the pod today, um, <laughs> you, 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 you've you've listened to more managers than Adam and I combined. I would say. Um, look, you know it's, it's no secret that managers, and generally, and yeah. I'm not talking about specific, sometimes economical with the truth to the media, shall we say? At times, um, do you think Carlo is being straight here, and this is, no, forget it, I'm not interested in Isco, or is he trying to play down? The links because actually he is interested in his
2: skill yeah i, I can't also say i can't remember gordon lee swearing to a colombian television station there you, to see, you know <laughs> uh, I, I can i can remember gordon lee swearing but not in, not in, uh not in columbia uh, i think carlos shabby enough isn't he i think i'd like to think he's I think there's probably an interest there isn't and then he's just playing it down a little bit. You also mentioned Sammy Kadira today, didn't he? Which was another uh, yes, uh, uh, for, uh, yeah. for yeah.
1: a bit for a bit of context, I think um, yeah. Adam Adam correct me if I'm wrong. K- had been had been interviewed and and then talked about how he would like to be reunited with Carlo one day. Uh,
0: um, yeah, he was talking about say uh, an 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 admiration of Premier League managers and he talked about perhaps being uh, reunited with Mourinho and Uh, Ancelotti and uh, he he certainly didn't rule out uh, wanting to link up with Ancelotti again and Ancelotti certainly didn't rule it out the other way either. No, come and get me play I think it's referred to as uh, by the player. (laughs) Uh, But but
1: Gav, I think think the the, sort of the reason that you know we're uh, a little bit skeptical or, or not necessarily taking Carlos' response at face value is, is, is Real Madrid's financial situation. I'm not sure if you're aware of this week, but La Liga confirmed the salary cap for clubs for the rest yeah. of the season. And Madrid, although their salary for players, etc., is still hugely uh, dwarfing anything we could ever imagine, um, have been have been required to or will be required to slash costs by about twenty seven percent. So, you know, a big yeah. cost of any football club, but particularly of those, is high, highly paid players. And Isco isn't playing; he's out of favour. So you can see why there is a there is a belief that there perhaps is something more more to this.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I get that, um, and it's it's a it means you can any deal is favourable on Everton's terms as well, then, does not it? Really, as we've seen previously. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule Cisco. I mean, the one, the one thing I would, and this is like worst case scenario is, I know he's he's got Hammers and he's got Allen. I mean, one one of the things is if you go back, if a manager goes back for too many of his former players, yeah. If that manager leaves, and I'm not like saying Carlo's going to leave here, you're then left with a little bit of a problem, and not you? If your personal relationships mm-hmm. are strong with players. What happens yes. if you go?
0: Mm.
2: You know, and, and, and I think it's good for, you know, you said this in the summer when Ivanovic was <laughs> linked, to us, he? You said, like, yeah. at some point, I would expect, you know, though, you can say, maybe not ideal, but you could see why you'd. I said at the time that you'd want to go back to get a player that you trust and work with, you know, as a manager. But you can do that too many times, can't you? Because that, 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 that leaves the club with a residual problem, should that manager leave. I
1: guess, Gav, sorry to interrupt, therefore, that that, that appears to be a balance that Mr. Mashiri, Marcel, yeah. Marcel, the chairman, will have to strike because it, it's about providing Carlo with the players he thinks will make an impact this season and get the ball rolling and hopefully get it into Europe with a longer term strategy, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. And then you get to playing But What's a director of football doing that? that? Uh bad environments and stuff well my, is, my is, view is this my, Now, my view on this is what it is in the summer is i don't i it, it's to me it's not maybe not the best policy what i'd say is if the board has gone to the trouble of of employing carlo then it's got to they've got to get what carlo wants haven't he? yeah it, do, it, do, it, it, it
1: does it does feel as as the first summer of carlo's um reign has transpired that it's less. it's been less about carlo molding himself to everton's policy as more everton molding themselves to yeah carlo's yeah but that's policy.
2: what that's always going to be the case that's why i've employed them I and that's why i had a little bit of you know that was one of reasons why i was like sort of not necessarily in favor of that of, because you know you've done got an issue if it goes a bit wrong then um well, it's if it's gone completely right for us over the last seven or eight years anyway, really. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, for the all you can moan about it. Um, I think if, you, if you're if going to I, – I I'm going to have to trust Carlo here, really, Phil. And if that's if you want Cisco, it may not be for the long-term benefits of Everett, but in the short term, if it keeps Carlo happy and we can get results together in Europe, then you've got, you've got to go with it. Yeah, the no course. point is employing him for seven, eight million a year, whatever his deal is, and then – blocking them, but yeah, I, I think there's I think anything after this go, I think that would be three players. Anything after this you'd have to probably I'm not saying we're gonna buy Isco here or a, a yeah. third signing that he's worked with. I think once you get above three it's it's a little bit you, you you end up like you end up like Howard Kendall at Man United yeah. Man City's only the near United. United's where really they brought loads of other players. Yes. And then Howard leaves, you
1: know
2: yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, so um, it's it's uh, Yeah, it's a difficult one, this. There's the balance to be struck, yeah. But one more may be okay. But Mm. I think that from then on, it does like that longer term vision for the club then sort of has to take precedence, I would imagine. The Royal Blue Podcast from the
1: Liverpool Echo.
2: As another thing
1: that sort of piqued my interest in Carlo's press conference, of course, as well as the injury updates, Coleman out. Um, it sounds like pretty much everybody's fit. Uh, Gabamin, by the way, who we mentioned earlier, uh, now still two to three weeks away from returning to Finch Farm when prior to the break, he was due back this week. So yeah. um, uh, no suggestion of a setback per se, but clearly the times, the timeframes have not quite aligned, have they, on that one? And, but the other thing was Carlo was asked about <clears throat> no fans, And then the impact that has had on home form. Now, obviously, Everton's home form up until the international break under Carlo had been very good, Um, and he was actually. But he said, "Oh, the lack of fans is having an impact, um, and you know, on on teams' home forms." But my immediate thought was, "Well, our last two away games, we've been pretty poor, and the home team have won won easily." Um, (laughs) So, uh, do you do you agree with Carlo, or, or is it just perhaps a convenient, you know, side of? not excuse per se, but a
0: convenient sort of mitigation for the current run? Um, I, th- I think I do have to agree with Carlo in a sense to be honest because when you look across the entire league so far this season, it's hugely shocking to me that there's only one unbeaten home record left intact in the whole Premier League and you know there's some teams I think have only played three or four home games and they've still managed to get beat in one of those and you know, you, we we you, you usually wouldn't wouldn't see that this early in a season. So, uh, I think I think that just is surprising to me. And look, we can we can talk about how good Carlo's home form has been. Uh, while fans were in the stadium, he didn't he didn't get beat at home as a manager. He only he's only been beaten at home by Bournemouth and United, wasn't it, before the international mm. break? yeah. It is only two losses at home, both gone without fans. So, in terms of Everton, I think you'd have to say, yeah, it does. It does certainly have an effect. And it, yeah, we've we've also talked a lot in this podcast, especially over the last few weeks about Everton. Well, until until the Southampton Newcastle games, of course, and uh, the increase in Everton's away form as well. We've yes. Been, it, since Carlos came in, we've been winning a bigger proportion of away games. But I think without fans as well, that's you know helped us out massively. You know, especially going to. Spares away first game of the season. It's, I've got no doubt in my mind that them having no fans in that stadium probably helped us a, a huge lot in terms of you know settling our new signings in and giving them giving them a game that they just didn't want to play on that day. Mm. So I've got to agree with Carlo that yeah, I think the the lack of home fans certainly is having mm. an effect on teams being able to pick up results at home, and I think maybe just you know, the, the Newcastle and the Southampton games, I think we can we can safely say that whether there were fans inside or outside the the stadium, <laughs> if we were if we were to play like that, then we're we're gonna get beat regardless. I think that was very much matters on the pitch rather than off the pitch that have lost us those two games. So fingers crossed we'll be able to put those firmly behind us for this weekend.
1: Lovely Adam. maybe segue into the uh, next Per su- uh, subject on today's agenda, of course, it is the game, it is Fulham, 12 o'clock on Sunday. Gav, uh, Fulham's home form so far has, has, has not been great. Um, they look like they've struggled to adjust, certainly defensively, yeah. to the Premier League, and obviously, math, matters com- compounded before the international break when uh, <laughs> our, for- our former charge, Adam decided it was the opportunity <laughs> moment to try, Penen- <laughs> to try, Pen- <laughs> and try Penenka. And uh, look, I, I, I felt for him, but, you know, yeah. it, 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 Scott Parker's comments did strike me slightly odd in that he was saying, oh, he's young and, you know, he's going to make mistakes, and, and but yet was was quite critical of him. And so I was thinking, well, why is he on penalties then?
2: Hmm. I think he was, was it, I don't know, I've heard various stories about this, to be honest with you. Um, that, didn't he take the ball off Mitrovic and, you know, <laughs> just be... Right. brave man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's how Luckman's career sums up in a T, isn't it? For, when did he join Everton, Four four years ago in January? 20, same, four years 20, ago,
1: yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, 2017, you know, yeah. Sort of a, a unfulfilled talent. I know he's actually done quite well, hasn't he, David, from what yes. I believe for Fulham. Um, yeah. And he did that. He, he, I'm not sure how many games played last year, 10 or 12 games for Leipzig. Um, but he had done well on loan uh, beforehand. So it's just a talent there with Adam Ola, isn't it? But sort of something's clear up thus far, didn't it, really? What might have been? And you're sort of being an agent of your own downfall a little bit. Which, in some respects, he was a little bit of heaven, you know, I think. Um, yeah, it's was, it was interesting. there that, that was... Thought it was quite interesting com- uh, comment by Carlo before this press conference that made the team under pressure tomorrow away to that effect wasn't it? I thought it was uh, it was quite in- you know obviously mm-hmm. fair uh, the fact that I mean I-, I would imagine if you compare our form of Fulham's form over the last three games they picked up a little bit haven't they since after the game really yes. course start
1: yeah mm-hmm. then
2: we conceded the four or five goals in our last five matches we've lost our last three so I can see why Carlo's saying that and. Uh, um, this way this is a lot more difficult what it looked like a month ago isn't it? yeah yeah um, so yeah i think it will be i think it's interesting one isn't it about home crowds just that that was a good wake is isn't it a fun. Mm. you know it, it works the other way because you have that open end don't you the sort of that mixed mix, yeah exactly mix behind it you know so you can have a really strong away support of so following which will be missing tomorrow and i just wonder whether that it's a game tomorrow where you'd want your away fans there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, he's picked up a little bit, but when oh, let's face it on, on paper, you're looking at the two teams and I don't know we've had the international, you know, jet setters around the world and stuff. But you are thinking got to be you got we have got any aspirations to get into Europe, it has to be a three pointer over the weekend, doesn't it really? Yeah. Um but it's just interesting. I just thought it was interesting those comments he made. Mm. But he's sort of said that for the players' benefit, another way to want to perform, talk to tomorrow and get, yes. get your backside into gear. I <laughs> suspect that's probably what it is. Uh, yeah. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Ad, just staying with Luckman. This week we um, we had a, we had a conversation and an interview you can read with uh, Damian Matthew, who was Everton's uh, under twenty three scout in London and the southeast, and had been a coach at Charlton when Adam Ola was coming, and obviously his, his input was was. Uh, sort of uh, valued at the time and everton were looking to sign adamola in, in late 2016 um, Damien, had a, uh, Damien had a few uh, theories as to why it hasn't worked out or didn't work out for adamola at everton you know he felt that um, obviously the managerial upheaval was, was was significant he also felt that he's a type of player that needs to play off a striker rather than wide but what I think the most interesting thing for me was when he said you've got to judge a player like adamola on what he's done and where he's been, and he hasn't come through the academy system. He was picked up at Charlton as a sixteen-year-old playing sort of Sunday League, Saturday League football, and he hasn't had that education, and so he hasn't necessarily tactically,
0: he may be behind his peers. I mean, why do you think it didn't work out for Adamola? I think it's really interesting that last point, isn't it? And it's probably one that you can't breeze over because, in that sense, he's kind of a late developer, really, isn't he? In terms of you know becoming a professional footballer, let's say. He's, he's certainly a late developer, and it makes it all the more impressive, you know how how good he looked. I suppose in the first year in Devon. you know getting that goal against Man City. I Think he had a, a number of you know impressive performances over his first few months at Everton. You know coming off the bench, etc. And you know there was a lot of excitement around him. And if I I, I still think the biggest thing about him was the, the managerial upheavals. Mm-hmm. I think it was just especially when you've got Sam Allardyce coming into the club as well, and he had a he had a very specific remit of what he wanted to do in his head wasn't, didn't he? And he, it was very focused around experienced players playing in a very certain way, neither of which was were ever going to benefit him in any sort of way. And that's, of of course, when he got his first loan, moved to Leipzig, where he, where he looked really good uh, during his time in Germany. And then the disappointment from, from, probably from his end of not being able to get that get that move through the door i'm not sure really what happened with the marco silva you know we would we had charlison and bernard playing so well essentially with marco Silva, didn't we so there just wasn't a place for luckman after that uh so yeah i think probably that that period under allardyce was probably the was probably the main one for me and he's not the only one who lost out in that sense i think Nikola vlasic was probably yeah, he's simple about really, wasn't he? And you know, we keep seeing how well he's doing for CSKA in Moscow now.
1: Yeah, and obviously he's not the uh, the only former Everton player that we're expecting to face on Sunday. Anthony Robinson, of course, joined Fulham in the summer, and of course, injury permitting, uh, he will line up at left back. And um, just quickly, and, and before we go into predictions and we and we finish today's poll, I wanted to ask you both about a player who has been mentioned today. But uh, you know, I, I think there's been a, a growing kind of Quietly. There's been a bit of a debate about him, um, some questions after a very, very, very impressive start to his Everton career, perhaps not quite been at the level recently. Um, Gav, Alan, um is he yeah. feeling the is he feeling the effects of that injury picked up early on? Or is the pace of the Premier League catching him out at the moment? where do you stand with, with Alan's performances?
2: Uh it has to be seen in the context of the wider team failings for the start. Yes, it's not as if he's playing poorly and we're winning every game four 0 is he really? Uh, mm. I get the I get the injury. I, mean, I still I still don't think he's a hundred percent fit. To be yeah. honest, but yeah, he's ironically he's probably one of the few Premier League players playing at the moment who looks less fit now than what he did at the start of the season. When people mm. are saying, you know, um, there's just like a. You sense sometimes where like this, uh, something's not right. You know, it's it's and 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 I think uh, to me, he's not he's not looked fit since he um, come back. You know, not not like fifty percent fit, but he's he's probably ninety percent. But that extra ten percent is what you need. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's probably also as well, maybe suffering from the fact that. It's not playing his natural role but asking him to sit a little bit deeper and maybe like to get a little bit more up and down and, and that causes problems as we've seen it's that le- when he moves up the pitch that leaves a pocket behind him, and then players get into that pocket he's not you know, that whole i mean i thought we were really compact in that middle three at the start of the season first few games and it's sort of become a little bit more flexible for once for better phrase over the last month where we don't appear to have that same discipline and organization we had in the opening games of the season and, and he looks far worse for it, um, but he's still a good, he's still a good player, isn't he? I mean, yes. I I don't I, I don't like stats, but only have to call them when it suits me, as you well know, Phil. But has he made <laughs> more tackles than anybody else? I saw the sort of stats, is it? There's something right okay. about it. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I've
2: seen that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm being choosy as ever there, but <laughs> I, I'm not particularly worried about him. you just, I just like to think that. Once we collectively get our mojo back, you'll see you'll see a better player. I mean, put it this way: he's not been poor as he'd been. No, there's been players who've been poor, but he's definitely not one of them. And, and put it this way: he puts a shift in, doesn't he? Yeah, so it's not it's not it's not bad attitude or anything with him, is it? Really, he's, yeah, you know, no. he's just a little bit off the pace, and he's suffering because. The team's been suffering a little bit, and frailties in central defence as well haven't helped. Yeah, uh, and, and,
1: and personally, yeah. I think that the absence of Richardson over the last three games, I think he just, I think he, he connects a lot of moving parts, and I think perhaps Alan and Decore have perhaps had to go and fight fires on the left of that midfield three because that left hand side is not as,
2: yeah, it's um, not as strong, and obviously we've had the thing on the right hand side. So I think, I think there's there's a couple of things going on there. Is I know, I don't for another day. Obviously I know where Carlos spoke about Gabamon today. And it would be interesting to see, you know, Alan's role. Maybe if Gabamon comes into the team, put it this way, you may see Alan playing a more familiar role. Yes. Uh, um in the in the midfield in the midfield today or four. Yeah, so I'm not particularly worried. It, uh, I do like him as a player. Uh, and uh, he's, he's not one of the things that keeps me awake at night when I'm thinking about Everton. To be honest with you, Phil, uh, there's, <laughs> there's several other areas of the pitch that that do. Uh, to be honest with you,
1: yeah. Add what thought your thoughts on on Alan's recent form. You know, was superb early on, not not quite hit those heights as we say. Well, any concerns for you?
0: Or? No, I've got to agree with Gav. I've not got concerns about Alan as an individual. I think what Gab says about you know, the balance in that sort of midfield three and how compact it was at the start of the season is quite interesting because I think especially in those opening games, you know, when we had Alan Decore and Andre Gomez was the third man in central midfield. Gomez wasn't, you know, making these long busting runs forward or anything like that. He was keeping keeping fairly uh, disciplined to that position, wasn't he? And I think perhaps what we've done in putting Gilfie Sigurdsson in that role, yes, we've given, you know, Calvert-Lewin a bit more support in terms of a midfielder breaking forward but we've maybe lost a bit of that uh, defensive rigidity in let's say in front of in front of the black back in front of the back four and that's maybe where Alan's been exposed a little bit and you know I think any player any player in the Premier League can struggle against the likes of Bruno Fernandes the way he was playing against us to be honest so I've not I've not really got uh, many concerns about him as an individual in that sense but Again, I think Gav's right in saying that I don't think he's playing in his natural position. I think in the second half against Manchester United, we saw Alan getting on the ball a little bit more and he was spraying a, spraying a few more passes. I think he was good. He was good in terms of like making tackles in the first half, but I think we really saw the real side of Alan in the second half. He was bringing the ball out a lot better, and I'd be quite interested to see how he would play alongside Decore with you know, hopefully. In a few weeks, Gabamon coming into that defensive midfield role, because I think going to be going to be better suited to being a defensive midfielder. I think annoyingly in the system that we've got at the minute, Idrissa Guy would be the perfect man to be <laughs> sit, sitting in that holding role, wouldn't he? And I think maybe, you know, Allen's he's not exactly the quickest. He's not got the same engine that Idrissa Guy's got. So I think maybe some teams have looked at that and thought if we can isolate Alan, you know, he's he's maybe not got the quickness or the energy yet in the Premier League to keep up with us, maybe we can uh, create a few chances there. And I think Manchester United especially uh, exposed us a little bit on that front. But it, as I said at the start, if we can you know, find that compact balance again with those three players in the centre, I think that kind of offsets offsets any uh, deficiency that Alan might have in that sense. And it you know, allows him to grow a little bit more in that position. I think he can definitely play in that position because of how good he is defensively and how uh, how strong he is in the tackle, etc. And how good he brings the ball out. But you know, if he if he does get isolated, I think the physicality of the Premier League, it's still something that he needs to uh, he needs to uh, get himself up to.
1: Okay, chaps, good stuff. So uh, right we come to the point of the podcast and the, the real reason why anybody tunes in for predictions. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Preno submitted his, so I will leave his to last. Uh I'll go first this week. Um I think the blues will come away from Craven Cottage with a 2-1 victory. Gav
2: You know what Phil? I'm going to be totally honest that I thought the same so I'm going to go with that. Everton to win
0: 2-1. Ad I've I've got a sneaking feeling like the the pessimist in me thinks that Fulham're definitely going to score a penalty this weekend. <laughs> not just because of not Luchman just because of all the Luchman's Penenka, but because Alexander Mitrovic was the man who missed for Serbia to send Scotland to the Euros in right. the international break. So they've got two two players who really want to take a penalty and score it. So I'm, I'm just hoping to God that we don't concede the penalty. And I've still got the, the last time we went to Fulham ingrained oh, in the head. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. since lost two 0 and Ryan Babble scored, which is. Yeah, just... yeah, yes. So I really want us to just dispel those myths, and I think I think we'll win three one, just because Richardson's back, and I think we'll actually start creating chances now that he's back. Yeah, and
1: um, without wanting to uh, ruin the illusion that this is some sort of hyper slick operation, Adam, can you just shout across to Sam uh, what his position <laughs> is? <crazy? laughs> what's your prediction my prediction thanks for getting me involved uh four nil blues <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that.
2: Yes, 4-0. 4-0. sam says 4-0. very good
1: excellent
2: <laughs> <laughs> sam show not start invited on the podcast with that prediction by the uh, way yeah <laughs> far too optimistic
0: yeah, good stuff invited well back on if that comes in Well, again, yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely right that's
1: good stuff uh Gav, Adam, and of course, Cameo from right, Saga. Thank you very much. Good, uh, excellent insight. Lovely uh, company as always. And thank you very much for listening. Of course, uh, I will be at Craven Cottage uh, on Sunday. Obviously, Premier League restrictions only allowing uh, one of our reporters into most away games at the moment. Adam will be, of course, back at base pulling the strings, uh, but we will provide all the best usual analysis and opinion and reaction. As always, stick with us across the weekend and then the uh, the boys will be back Monday to reflect on what hopefully is a way victory in London. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.